wine and true crime lovers. I'm your host, Brandy, and this is Texas Wine and True Crime. Thank you for being here, friends, for Season 3, Episode 5, Stalking Innocence. He gives you crisp, clean audio each and every week, and I would also describe him also as crisp and clean. Hey, Chris. Hey, Brandy. Uh, I would like to describe myself as maybe so fresh and so clean. (laughs) Maybe not crispy and clean. I don't know. Play on words. So crispy. I know. At first I was thinking crispy. Then I don't know. Well, welcome, everyone. Welcome. Happy welcome. Saturday. Yes. Happy Saturday. We are glad to be here with you today. Um, hey, Chris, we're going to CrimeCon in just a couple of weeks. Yes, I realize that. It's, it's creeping up. It is creeping. We're kind of making a list of everything we need, making sure we don't forget. Um, and the great people over at CrimeCon have invited us to appear on Podcast Row, which is so exciting. Feeling super blessed that we were even asked to do this, considering we just launched this at the end of October. So I feel I feel uh, just really, really grateful that we're even going. But guys, it's coming up, and there's still time to get your tickets. So we do have a uh, discount code for our friends. Um, you can get 10% off your ticket if you put in Texas Wine at checkout. And I'm going to tell you guys a little secret. So, Chris, remember I said I plan on, like, rubbing elbows with some of the true crime experts there? I do remember that. Okay. Well, I have a few in mind that I think I might just go ahead and ask, since I'm there, if they would be a guest on our show. Okay. Or at least maybe, like, consider it and um, introduce myself. I'm thinking I'm gonna just going to kind of capitalize since they're in front of my face at the moment. Okay. All right. So just make sure you're there for moral support when I do that. I'll be there for moral <laughs> support. As long as it's not Nancy Grace, I'll be... <laughs> Okay. Oh, dig Nancy. I know we have our differences about Nancy. I know there's some pretty, uh, there's some pretty intense, uh, what do you call it? Uh, feelings about her from people, not just you, from people. That's, you know, she's one of those, hey, take her or leave her, I guess. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to feed her bird seed every time I see her on TV, pecking her head. Bird seed? Oh, <laughs> gosh. Well, I'm sorry, sure. Nancy. Hope you're not, the, hope you're not a listener. <laughs> And it's actually, Nancy I Grace. hope you are. <laughs> oh, well, I hope I didn't lose you. <laughs> June 4th to June 6th, we will be in Austin. So, guys, grab your ticket. And if you want to just enjoy CrimeCon from the seat of your own table or have some friends over, we talked about this last time, share some wine, have some friends over, and you can get a CrimeCon ticket for online as well. In fact, Chris, we are going to be doing like a podcast row online with people that are watching from home. So this is going to be a lot of fun. So guys, get your tickets, go to checkout, put Texas wine and get 10% off. Um, Of course, if you want to help support the show and keep the decanter full, feel free to buy us a glass of wine or two. You just go to our website. There's a lot of great things to see there. You can click on Kofi. Kind of gives you all the deets about um, our wine. You can join Winos and Crimos every month. So, um, yeah, thanks again, everyone, for just supporting the show, listening, liking the wine. It's been really nice. You can also sign up for our mailing list on the website. Yes, and that's important because you basically are going to get first dibs on anything that we do um, moving forward. So if you're on that list... It's a good list to be on. It is. So, yeah, make sure you fill out that information and get on that as well. Um, And, of course, if you just enjoy the show, head over to Apple. Give us five stars. Like Chris said, where else can they review us, Chris? Well, Amazon. Okay. um, Spotify. Yeah, we have listeners. Google Music. Our website. 
our website. Pretty much all of the we're on all the podcast platforms except for Stitcher. I don't know why they won't. Uh, we're just not there yet. Not there yet. Yeah, I don't know. I think they lost our uh, application. <laughs> application? Yeah, I think so in the too. Mail or something, we should probably follow email. up on that. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, they're the only ones that haven't responded. Kind of crazy, but everybody else has. So anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can always check out Texas Wine and True Crime. Yes, and you can also find us on social media, of course, Facebook, Instagram. We'd love to connect with all of you guys there. Um, one other thing to mention is next Thursday, this coming up Thursday, is our Zoom and our happy hour murder hour that we do the last Thursday of every month. Again, another reason to get on our mailing list so you can get that Zoom link. This month, Chris, we are doing the Menendez Brothers. I know. It's going to be a good one. It's a good one. I got an email from someone whose brother-in-law played tennis with the Menendez brothers and went to school with them. Wow. That is like, what, um, two degrees of separation? That is amazing is what that is. So I'm like, please come on Thursday. So we'll see if we'll see if she makes it. But uh, um, that's pretty cool. So we're going to talk about the Menendez brothers. And of course, get on that mailing list because you don't want to miss our Zooms. We do a Zoom last Thursday every month, happy hour, murder hour. And you get a special Zoom link if you are on our mailing list. So don't forget to do that. Okay, Chris, the crime we chose for this week is the murder of Kendra Hatcher. The wine for this week comes from our friends at Messina Hoff. We are sipping on Messina Hoff Bow. So this is part of the tribute series, um, which honors the gratitude one has for so many blessings in life. I kind of liked this just because it kind of fits with this case and just like blessings in life and love and caring about what you have. Um, but Beau is a blend of red grape varietals and Muscat Canelli, creating a lighter style red wine with semi-sweet flavors, fruity and floral notes that are balanced with boldness and weight. First thoughts on the wine, Chris? It is sweet. Yes. No semi. Okay. Yeah. But very sweet wine. Yeah. So I would actually even describe it more as a dessert wine. I could go in that direction too. We did not have dessert with it. We did not, but during the wine recess, you were going to tell them about what you made today because I think it went perfect with it. Um, it actually says you can serve this wine like chilled if you want to, um, but to me, it is is sweeter, almost like you would taste a a sweet like a sangria. Well, our house is pretty cold, and it was served at room temperature, so <laughs> we, I do like to keep it cold in here. <laughs> So it was semi-chilled, <laughs> as I am right now. And of course, guys, hang out until the end with us so you can hear our wine reading and review. <clears throat> All right, Chris, are you ready to get into this week's case, Stalking Innocence? Absolutely. All right, so let's sip some wine and talk some crime. So this week, we are discussing the murder of Kendra Hatcher out of Dallas, so right here in Big D. As always, we are going to share some facts about the city where our crime took place. Um, there's lots of things we could say about Dallas, but I'm going to limit us to our three as usual. So facts about Dallas, here we go. Number one, Lamar Hunt, the founder of the American Football League and son of oil tycoon H.L. Hunt, was a noted Dallas resident when he coined the phrase Super Bowl. I had no idea. Did you know this? You know, vaguely, just from all my extensive sports knowledge that I have. Okay. I had no idea he coined the phrase. 
Yes. Are you laughing because you don't watch sports very often? Yes. Um, <laughs> no, I was aware of that because uh, he was a big part of, you know, creating the actual Super Bowl game between the AFL and oh. and uh, NFL. Nice. I didn't know that either. He owned the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh. And they played in the first Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers. Oh, see, you have a, you still have knowledge. I wouldn't have. I didn't even know that. I didn't watch that game. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Number two, the 52-foot Big Tech statue that greets visitors at the annual State Fair of Texas is the tallest cowboy in Texas. Did you know that? It's not really a cowboy. Yeah, but, you know, he's got the boots and the hat, and we just call him a cowboy. But for those that didn't know, the original Big Tech. <laughs> you're, you're, you're my cowboy, yeah. babe. The original Big Tech's burned down, though, remember? A few years ago, they I had did. to rebuild them. Yes. So, um, he was smoking, he, he was smoking cowboys and that Marlboro's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and number three, the Dallas public library permanently displays one of the original copies of the declaration of independence printed on July 4th, 1776. And the first folio of William Shakespeare's comedies, histories, and tragedies. Wait, there are copies of the declaration of independence. Apparently did not know that. Yep, and uh, did not know it's in the Dallas Public Library either. Did not know that either. So there you go, friends. You can go and check that out if you are near the Dallas Public Library. It is not in the Farmer's Branch Public Library. We no, it that. is not. <laughs> well, what about we shoot presidents here, too? You didn't. That should have been one well, of your... Okay, I could literally list 50 things about That's Dallas. True. I mean, I'm sure we'll be doing more cases out of Dallas. There's a lot of... Sh- stuff that happens here <laughs> a lot of true crime a lot of true crime on september 2nd 2015 35 year old kendra hatcher is returning home from work to her high-rise apartment at the gable 17 she enters a security gate into the parking garage parks her car then screams are heard and a gunshot rings out kendra had been shot once in the back of the head she is pronounced dead at the scene who wanted to kill kendra hatcher Okay, Chris, this was a big case. I remember. Okay, so lots of twists, lots of turns, lots of things are going to come out. So, friends, um, this case is kind of like a roller coaster of emotions, tragedies, mysteries. I mean, when I was researching this, I was thinking, I remember this case. I remember watching it on TV. I remember listening to it. And I didn't remember half of this stuff, or maybe it just didn't come out until later after the trial, and I just wasn't, you know, paying enough attention to go back and read all of it. But there's a lot going on here. So the murder actually takes place in Uptown Dallas, which if you know Uptown or Dallas in general, Uptown is sort of the neighbor of downtown Dallas, right? Um, So they're not far from each other. Basically, a highway separates the both of them. Uh, You have a lot of young people that live in this area, a lot of nightlife. So people are out and about all hours of the night, all hours of the day. And people were shocked that this actually happened. Um, Women weren't going to be weren't going out as much anymore after this happened to this girl. Um, And plus, this is a really, really nice apartment. The the parking garage has a security gate, so you can't even get in without a key or, you know, a key card or whatever they use to actually get in. Um, And so this was just a very, very unusual place for something like this to happen. Okay, so let's talk about the victim um, in this case, Kendra Hatcher. And honestly, I don't 
I could probably sit here and talk about what her family had to say about her after uh, like all the interviews that I watched. Um, But Chris, this was a big loss to a lot of people. Friends and family describe her as friendly, loving. She was a pediatric dentist. Um, So she had a passion for wanting to help kids. So when she was in dental school, when they would be on break, she actually was going on missions to Ecuador and different places where children did not get proper dental care. And she was basically going and working on kids and their teeth. So she did a lot of really, really great work um, outside of just her job. So she was working at Smile Zone in Irving at the time, which is about a half hour drive from Uptown um, where she's living. She just served a lot of underprivileged children, um, even at this practice. So, you know, people maybe don't have insurance, hard to get, um, you know, dental work can be expensive. So uh, she just was known for just really just a, a big hearted helper um, that loved kids. She had this gorgeous smile. She was beautiful. Um, And again, just described as friendly, just a giver. And she just had a big old heart. So four months before her murder, Kendra began dating Ricardo Pani Agua. Okay. So people called him Ricky. He went by Ricky and Ricky and Kendra met online. And after their first date, they were described as inseparable. He was actually from California. Um, He had been in Dallas finishing his residency for dermatology. And at the time, um, he was working at UT Southwestern um, as an assistant professor. So he um, had been in Dallas um, since 2011. And as I mentioned, these two just kind of fell hard from each other. They had done and said a lot in those just those first few months of dating. They went on lavish vacations. I think they went to California three times that summer. Um, Fancy dates in Uptown. They took all kinds of selfies and pictures together. They, Chris, they even had talked about starting a wedding fund. And we're talking four months into this relationship. Um, Kendra had even told her friends that she was going to move to California to be with him because he had just landed a job. Um, and, and he was excited to move back because his family was there, but she was planning to go with him. So this was a big relationship and it was going, going, you know, they were falling in love and things were just moving quickly in a short period of time. You know, those feelings, it didn't, it wasn't like that for us. No, no, it wasn't like that for us. We, uh, we did it. We did it slow, and <laughs> I don't know. It was. Uh, I but but here's what I will will say about Ricky. This isn't the first relationship I'm going to mention that happened fast, quickly, and involved. And I don't know. Maybe if it's Ricky moves quick. Ricky moves quick. Well, one thing um, I want to I want to mention first um, is that he was actually married in California before he moved to Dallas. So when he moved to Dallas, he was basically in the middle of a divorce. So he moved here and was leaving a big relationship there, still finishing divorce proceedings when he was in Dallas. But then he meets someone by the name of Brenda Delgado. They actually um, end up dating for about two and a half years. So he meets her shortly after moving to Dallas. Um, Okay, so these two are pretty, again, pretty serious at one point. Ricky had gone so far as he gave her a promise ring. And then they ended up moving in together just about four months after dating. So what is a promise ring? 
I don't know. Is that like the easy out to not say it's an engagement ring? Is that just a, is that a way for a man to like detach himself from the actual commitment? I don't know. I don't have you know. ever given a promise ring? No, no, I don't. Think Do you I know have. anyone who has? I don't. I don't. I'm thinking now long and hard along my list of male friends, and I can't recall a promise ring ever becoming. I don't think ever I've ever received up one in, in one of our conversations. Yeah, um, yeah. That sounds like a really like old timey thing. Yeah. Well, this wasn't that long ago. Ten years ago. Well, the case wasn't even that long ago. It wasn't 10 years ago. But I'm saying that when he moved here, it was about 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Trying to lock that down, I guess. Huh? I, I guess so. Um, and then, so okay, so he gives the promise ring. They're moving in together after four months. By the way, Texas Monthly did a great piece on this case, and they really dived into the relationship between Ricky and Brenda. So if you guys want to go read um, that, you can. I'm Some of the information that I'm discussing, I pulled um, from there. But it was a really great article. Uh, Ricky, again, like I mentioned, he had been married in California, moved to Texas in 2011. And... Um, so again, just this quick relationship, this quick moving type thing. They move in together. They got a promise ring. Um, but he actually thought really, really highly of Brenda. They both came from similar backgrounds. Both of their parents were immigrants. They both grew up poor. Um, Brenda actually grew up uh, not, well, Pleasant Grove is where she grew up. Ooh, PG. PG. Um, they both just wanted a better life for themselves. And I think this was a part of their attraction. Um, she was attending dental hygienist school and was looking forward, you know, just to a bright future. It was stated in the article that Brenda had actually become pregnant, Chris, after they moved in together, but ended up having an abortion because she just wasn't ready to become a mother. But she actually never told one family member or friend about this. The notes about this and her feelings were actually found on the phone when police looked into her phone, as we talk about later in the case. So, um, again, just a big and a part of her thinking um, mentioned also in, in one of my research pieces was that I, she felt like he was hers and that she was eventually going to have babies with him, and it just wasn't the right time for them. So I don't think her thought was, oh, I'm never, I have to keep this child because I'm never going to have Ricky's again. I, I don't think she was there in her mind. I think she eventually gets there, but I don't think she was there at this point. But Chris, one day in July 2014, Brenda shows up at one of her dental hygienist classes, visibly shaken and upset. She tells a classmate, Ricky just broke up with me and has asked me to move out. Okay, so nobody, I could not find. Did he get the ring back? Oh, probably not. She doesn't seem, after my research, she didn't really seem the type of person that would give it back. He probably just said, what the hell with it, you yeah, know? Yeah, I saw the show last night. She didn't look like she was going to give it back either. So. <laughs> I don't think she was going to give that no. back. That's but, a keeper right there. Yeah, so we don't know what happened. We don't know why he breaks up with her. Maybe it was maybe it was the fact he had just got divorced. Maybe he didn't want that big commitment. Maybe he thought this was going too fast. So um, again, she just was not handling this well at all. Um, and it kind of seemed like he was just kind of going on with his life and doing better than she was with the news. Okay, one thing that started to happen was her grades were failing. Right. She started to not pay attention to school, um, become very upset, flustered, um, depressed, 
people would say she just sort of withdrew. And then speaking of withdrawing, she withdrew from the program um, for several months after the breakup. So she took it pretty hard. She took it hard. She took it hard. But he actually just kind of seemed to be going on with everyday life. So coincidentally, or are you like my friend Joe Kenda, who does not believe in coincidences? I love that. Every time he says coincidence, he goes, even though I don't believe in coincidences. And he might be right on this one. So coincidentally, they start running into each other at places. And eventually, he decides to give it another shot. Booty calls. But, yeah, it didn't even last a year. Yeah. But in February 2015, Ricky calls it quits for good. Okay, this, so we're now in 2015. This is the year that Kendra, Kendra was murdered. All right, so just a couple months later after this, he meets Kendra Hatcher. Okay, Chris, so these are grown adults we're talking about, right? So I want everyone just to kind of put themselves in relationships as adults, thinking about dating, thinking about attachment, right? Because they had this relationship for two and a half years. They only broke up that one time. Otherwise, they people would say they were really close and committed and friendly. Um, so what happens? They break up and he still wanted to help her, though. So he helped her financially. Okay, so this is after February 2015. He was helping her out financially because emotionally support, he wasn't into that anymore. He didn't want to be there for her in that way. So he did a few things um, for her. That um, Listeners, I want you to keep um, your eyes and ears out for these because this is what is going to come up later that actually made a huge difference in this case. The first thing is she still had a key to his apartment. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Numero uno. Number two, he let her stay on his phone plan. Mm, 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 mm. Number three, he tried to keep a platonic relationship with her. And I do want to say, friends, he was not having this like secret relationship with this girl and hiding it from Kendra. That is not what was going on. He was completely committed to Kendra. He and and I think this is where the light bulbs didn't go off for him because he was completely invested in her. And so some of these things that we're going to find out were, that were happening that he just wasn't aware of, maybe he would have been aware if he was paying a little bit more attention, but again, they break up in February. He meets Kendra, I think around like May-ish. So just for a couple of months, he's helping Brenda. Um, she has moved into her own apartment about a mile away from him. So she's still kind of around. So he's just trying to help her. Okay. That's what is in their, my research is that he just tried to help her and not completely like cut her off. And, you know, he cared about her. Just didn't That's all I can say is he cared didn't about peel her. that Band-Aid off. I guess not. All right. In fact, um, when when he meets Kendra and falls completely he- head over heels, he starts talking to Brenda about their relationship. So this is kind of interesting to me because I don't know a lot of men that would necessarily do this. And I don't know the extent of what he actually told her. Um, so he's he's texting with Brenda sometimes telling him that, you know, telling her about Kendra and that things have been, you know, that he likes her and you know, that things are just going on. Okay. And then she, Brenda will tell people like, Oh, he's dating someone else. I'm okay with it. it I mean, 
Ricky's a good guy. If we're meant to be, we'll be. And so she kind of just had this sense of like, okay, I'm just going to let him tell me these things and I'm not going to act like it's a big deal. But Chris, we know the old saying, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. So Brenda played the role of the understanding, the happy for you ex. That should have been his first sign. Does that, I was yeah. Does, I was about. Does that even exist? Like no. The understanding X. I don't know who that no, is. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know who they are. Okay. It goes both ways. Nobody understands. So. No, I know. Relationships are tough. It's hard. It's tough to get our hearts broken, right? Mm, yeah. And compare ourselves. It's it's a tough thing. Okay, so Kendra is set to leave town with Ricky and head to a long weekend trip in Cancun. Um, Labor Day weekend, September 3rd, they are heading out. So remember, she is killed the day before this trip on September 2nd. Also, Kendra is actually originally from a small town in Illinois. Um, So after their trip to Cancun, they are going to head to her hometown, Chris, to meet the parents. Meet the parents. Yes, she's already been to California three times. So she has actually met his parents over those last couple months. But now they are making a special trip to Illinois for her to be introduced to, um, for him to be introduced to Kendra's parents. But sadly, this trip would never take place. Kendra Kendra was gunned down in her parking garage as she arrived home from work. She is seen on camera entering the parking garage and on the surveillance, Chris, you see her park the car. Then you see someone exiting a vehicle um, in the view of the camera walking towards the direction of where she had turned her car. And then Kendra's white Toyota Camry and assailant are out of camera view. So it never actually shows the actual murder on on surveillance. Um, But you clearly see the cars pulling into the garage, parking, um, and then someone exiting the vehicle. A few minutes later, a call comes into 911 after the resident of a high-rise hears screaming and then shots fired. So, Chris, this is a 16-year-old kid um, that is staying in this apartment because his dad lives there. So he's coming off of the elevator, about to exit through the door that leads to the parking garage. So remember, Kendra is parked on the very first floor of this building, so she's not far from the entrance. So the call comes into 911. Uh, The caller tells police that he saw a black Jeep Cherokee leaving the scene and also what looked like two men driving away in the car. Police arrive on the scene to find 35-year-old Kendra dead of a gunshot wound to the back of her head. So they start collecting surveillance from the cameras, questioning people in the area. Um, So the guy who called 911 said that he heard screams first, right, and then a popping sound. Her purse was gone. So originally, the first thing cops, you know, thought was a robbery, right? Mm -hmm. They stole her purse. Her door, I do believe, was ajar a bit. Um, So they think, you know, somebody opened the door, maybe took something out of the car, and then instead of closing it all the way, just sort of released it, and then it just closed partially. But let's talk about that for a second, if this is a robbery. This is a gated parking garage in a busy, busy area. Um I know where this building is. It's not far from where my old office used to be. But here's here's the other thing. You can't get in without having a security, without having a car to get through the security gate. So if you're going to rob someone in that area, wouldn't it just be easier to rob someone on the street? Yeah, it seems like more work. Yeah, it seems like a whole lot more work. There's a, There's a freeway not far from here. So it seems like if you were going to 
rob someone and get out of there, doing it into a secure gated parking garage is probably not your first choice. I don't know. I don't rob people. <laughs> I'm just saying it seems a seems a little difficult. I thought that's how we paid for all this podcast gear. <laughs> my my thiefness, my thieves, <laughs> thievery, thievery, thievery. All right. So quickly, this made the police think this is probably not a robbery. This is probably more of a targeted hit. Um, so something else that was found by Kendra's body was her cell phone. Um, a magazine to a gun was also found, but there was no gun found on the scene. So maybe the killer got spooked and just accidentally released the magazine. Not really sure. They, they, they still, I really couldn't find in my research why the magazine was left behind. Sadly, Ricky was not far. Um, he was, he was close during the murder. And this just makes me so sad. He had just been to her apartment, right? So think about it. She had just left work and was on her way home. They're leaving on vacation the next day. So he decided to go to a taco shop nearby and probably grab dinner for them. Um, and he was just waiting for her to get home. And he was waiting on her to text him back of when she was on her way. But he never got a text. Um, he quickly finds out about her death because when he goes back to the apartments, he is stopped at the doorway and told by staff and police that she's been killed. So sad. Mm hmm. Um, but Ricky will be a key player in the investigation by helping really just answer the biggest question of all in this case, which is, why was Kendra murdered? Okay, so on the surveillance tape, they see a black Jeep Cherokee pulling into the garage behind another car. Um, they see the individual get out of the car, and then the same car is seen fleeing the garage in a hurry. There is also this grainy video of what looks like a woman driving the car, so Police are thinking we need some we need to find out whose car this is and who's that driving it. So the first thing they think is we need to do, um, you know, like a, like a news conference. We need to get this picture out. So that's what they do. They put the Cherokee on TV with the grainy picture of the woman behind it and they get a hit. A man by the name of Luis Ortiz calls the police after seeing his car on TV that is possibly related to the to a homicide. So Luis heads up to the station, talks to the investigators, and he tells them that the car on the TV is for sure his Jeep Cherokee. But he says, I let someone borrow my car, a friend of mine, Brenda Delgado. Luis is a mechanic um, here in Dallas. He owns his own little mechanic shop. And he tells the police that Brenda had dropped her car off at the shop and that she needed to borrow a car until hers was ready. Now, this isn't just some random girl. This Brenda is a friend of his family's. So he's not just letting a random woman borrow a car. He knows this girl personally. Yeah, I've never had a mechanic offer to let me yes. borrow a car. Yes, yeah. So she just, so it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. Um, and he also tells them that he was having dinner at the time of the murder. And he can show a receipt for that. And guess who he was having dinner with, Chris? Brenda Delgado. Brenda Delgado. So if Luis and Brenda are having dinner together, then who is driving the car that Luis says, I, I don't know who's driving that car. I gave it, I'm, I let her borrow that car. And she's, she was with me last night. So, but he insists, I have nothing to do with Kendra's murder. So of course they contact Brenda Delgado. So Brenda comes into the station and tells police, Oh, no, no, no. Luis is really confused. He didn't let me borrow the car. He let Crystal Cortez borrow the car. So who is Crystal? 
is what the police are thinking, right? Luis never mentions a Crystal Cortez. So Brenda tells the officers that she's known Crystal for only about a month. She's a mom, kind of down and out on her luck. She happened to just meet her through a mutual friend, but hasn't known her very long. But she insists that she was not the one who borrowed the car. So the cops are thinking, is Luis confused? I mean, he Brenda was with him, so... They, they're not sure what's going on. So what did they, they decide they need to talk to Crystal. Okay. So the cop tells Brenda, okay, call Crystal. Can you call Crystal and tell her to come up here and we need to talk with her? So she says, okay. Brenda agrees. Crystal shows up at the police station. So Chris, this case was featured on Dateline, um, the Dateline episode. And in that episode, you can see different parts of the interviews with these two women. Both, I feel like, are overly helpful, overly polite. Crystal even agrees to take a poly, polygraph test pretty quickly just saying like oh this is exactly what happened and I'm happy to to take a polygraph so now Luis Brenda and Crystal are all they're all at the police station at the same time in three separate interrogation rooms so the police are kind of going back and forth to each one questioning trying to figure out what's going on well Crystal's story changes four different times in that same interview. So she basically tells police the first story, yes, that is me driving the car, but I was actually in the parking lot because I was parking the car there while I take my six-year-old son to a park nearby. So she did say, Luis let me borrow the car. I parked it in this garage because it's by a park. And when I was getting out of the car, I am faced with a gunman. She says a gunman runs right past her and looks at her directly in the face And she's so scared, shaking, and she says he just turns around and runs off. And then she gets back on the car and hustles out of the garage, which is why you see her speeding away. That's her first story. So she, the the investigator's like, well, we see him get out of the car. We see the car pull in and get out of the car. Okay, okay, I'll be honest now. I was there, but I was carjacked. So I was carjacked outside of the parking garage. He tells me he's going to rob someone in, that lives there. He, do, he orders me to drive into the parking garage behind someone so they can get in. I park. I'm so scared to death. I, you know, I have my son in the car. He goes, I hear a popping sound. I hear screams and a popping sound. And then he runs back in the car. I leave in a hurry because I'm scared for my life. And I drop him off a few miles away. So the cop asks her, well, why didn't you just call 911? And she's like, well, I was afraid for my life. He's like, but you know, a murder just occurred. She's like, I know, but I I'm scared for my life. That's all she just kept saying. All right. So again, this isn't what the cops know. They don't think this is um, a story of just her picking someone up in a carjacking and her son's in the car. And again, she claims she is in fear for her life, which again is the reason she never dialed 911. And now it's time for a wine recess. Lots of moving parts here, Chris. Lots of moving parts in this case. There is. Yes. All right. So um, like we mentioned, the wine. So we paired it today. Do you want to tell our friends what you decided to pair this with? So I paired it with a white Stilton cheese with blueberries and some water crackers as kind of a snack. Uh, In addition to that. You baked it. Right. No, that was the other. I baked a cam- um, camembert with oh. a. I made a blackberry compote 
to put on top with some lemon rosemary uh, crostinis to kind of smear on top. And then kind of for our entree, I made a, I guess you would say a kind of a, a blackened salmon Veracruz inspired uh, with some chili lime asparagus to accompany that. Delicious. Thank you. It was all so good. Thank you. I always say this each and every week, but you really go above and beyond for the pairings. And I know our listeners appreciate it. And I'm sure we're going to start getting emails about recipes. <laughs> every every week we do this, I'm like, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for someone just to go, how do you make that? What did you buy? I'm sure it's coming. Okay. Well, I'm ready. Oh, you're so sweet. Recipe responses. <laughs> yeah, I guess that, that there you go, guys. It's an open invitation. Send those emails and Chris will tell you how he makes those dishes. And we will post them um, on our Instagram and our Facebook pages. So it even though this wine is a little sweet for, for you and I, what we normally drink, um, I, it went great with the food. Yeah, it did. I mean, I, it's growing on me. I mean, it was it is really sweet. What a... Um, not my first choice, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, for wines, but I like it now. I mean, I think uh, initially it was a little, I just wasn't expecting the strong sweetness. I paired some sweeter things with it, especially like the, you know, kind of very mm-hmm. sweet uh, cheese appetizer. But it worked. Yeah, it did work. It did work. It's it really did good. Work. And I, yeah, I, I, like I said, it's kind of growing on me now. Plus it has a me screw too. top. So <laughs> we I like, like this. <laughs> well, we know it won't fall. We worry about it like falling off the table when we're recording, right? So if it has a screw top on, we're, pr- we're feeling pretty confident that day. Yep. <laughs> All right, babe, you ready to jump back in the case? Yes. All right, let's do it. Okay, so they just don't buy this whole story from Crystal. Um, but they know Brenda didn't kill Kendra because she was with Luis at the time of the of the murder. She also had a receipt to show um, for that dinner. And so Brenda and Luis are released. They don't have enough to hold Brenda and charge her with anything. So they do let her go. Um, they're now kind of hounding Crystal for more information. And the big task really now is identifying the assailant. So again, more hours and more hours of questioning. Finally, Crystal just gives a name. And she says his name is Lamar. Um, But she doesn't know Lamar. The only thing she says she knows about him is his cell number and what kind of car he drives. So this is just enough for them. She is arrested on the spot for the murder of Kendra Hatcher. Okay, so using just fancy technology, the police kind of take the information that Crystal is giving them. They use, um, they get the number from her phone that she used to communicate with this Lamar. And they actually pinpoint a location. Now, she one thing that she does know is that he drives a Sebring, right? So they use the phone number and they come up with... Um, a location for where that phone number was used. When they arrive on site at that location, what do they see? The Sebring. So now it's all kind of coming together. Police are approaching the car and they're kind of looking in it, looking around. And all of a sudden this guy starts walking up to them and he approaches them and he's like, hi, you know, this is my car. Can I help you? And he's, and his name is Christopher Love. Okay. So they bring Christopher Love down to the station 
and he is tight-lipped. He tells police, not only was I not there, I don't even know a Crystal Cortez. He is questioned for hours, and while in the meantime, they get a search warrant for his car. So they're hoping to find a gun, you know, ammunition, anything to link him back to the murder of Kendra. So this is all happening. By the way, just everything with the, with the interviews with Luis, with Brenda, with Crystal, the arrest of Crystal, um, this is happening within a day or two of the murder. So cops are moving very quickly with this, not wasting any time at all. Um, so again, they question him for hours and hours. He's saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who that is. Um, I want to mention Titan. He's from the Dateline story. I don't want to like get into like, but Titan is a dog. And he's actually the one that found the gun in his car. So they do find a gun. But the cool thing about Titan, one, we love dogs. But Titan finds the gun because he is one of those dogs that are trained to find um, like the smell of gunpowder or the hint of gunpowder. And this gun is not like sitting in the seat or under the seat. This gun is is like buried into the console behind plastic and metal pretty deep into I mean, I don't even know how the guy got it in there. But this little dog finds it. And Titan was a big dog. Well, Titan was a big dog. Did I say little dog? You did. Oh, I don't know why I said little dog. His name is Titan. <laughs> and then it said the best part about it was his uh, his little, what do you call it, the handler? His, you know, he had a little bit of a Texas accent. And so he said, you know, the cue for I know when he's found something, he sits. And it sounded like when he finds something, he shits, which made me laugh for about an hour because, you know, dogs just shit randomly. So I thought that was funny. I know our dogs do. <laughs> right, so they end up finding the gun. It makes us dog lovers. <laughs> the gun they found, Chris, is a forty caliber Smith and Wesson. So... Christopher Love is still in the interrogation room when this gun is found. So now the investigators get a call, say the gun's been found. So they go in and they give them, I love in the, on the Dateline special, they had Christopher eating like really good food. And then the guy who does Dateline says, just in time to give him indigestion, <laughs> he tells him they find the gun in your car. His face in this interview, he looked shocked. He goes, you found a gun in my car? He's like, yeah, we found a gun in your car. Do you know who the gun belongs to? Uh-huh. Who's the gun belong to? It belongs to me. I mean, the guy just looked like he was just caught. And he was like, you know what? Fine. I give up. It's my gun. But at first, remember, he denied knowing Crystal. But then he tells police, um, I actually bought the gun from her. So I do know her. I bought the gun from her. And it wasn't me who murdered Kendra. It was Crystal who murdered Kendra. So they're just like, you know, pointing fingers and pointing fingers. Well, either way, they've had enough. Christopher is put in handcuffs and arrested for capital murder. Okay, so now we have Crystal and Christopher in jail being charged with capital murder of Kendra. Here is the question. Why? What is the motive? Why would these two people that didn't even know Kendra murder her? There had to be more to the story. So they decide it's time to talk to friends, family, just try to find some correlation between these two people and Kendra. Well, they don't have to go very far, right? Of course, they've been talking to Ricky. Um, they said he was visibly shaken and upset when he 
found out about Kendra's murder. Uh, their radar did not go off as as him being involved. But, of course, they always look at the person. You know, he was waiting for her. He just happened to be at a taco place, you know, when she was killed. So, um, now, remember the video footage, Chris, of the woman driving that was released to the public? He sees this on the news shortly after it airs. And he calls the investigators at the Dallas Police Department and he tells them, hey, I think the woman driving is my ex-girlfriend, Brenda Delgado. Well, cops are confused because now, first of all, Crystal and Christopher have been arrested. They know Crystal is the one driving, but Brenda's name just keeps coming up. Um, so they tell Ricky, well, you know, she wasn't driving the car, but it was Crystal. You know, they tell him someone else was driving the car. Um, Ricky was questioned throughout the investigation. He even was a little hesitant at first about handing over his cell phone. Uh, he told investigators, you know, maybe I need to get a lawyer. Am I a suspect? I didn't do this, but I don't know the right thing to do. He also said um, on the interrogation video that they showed that he just knows that Brenda is somehow involved in Kendra's murder. He would later say the reason for the whole phone hesitancy was because there was a lot of patient information on the phone, a lot of just sensitive information. He felt like it it could compromise the whole, you know, doctor, client, patient, you know, what's the word? You're, You're in the medical field. Um, privacy, you know, just what could be, yes, HIPAA violation, yeah, just HIPAA violation, right? And he could get in big trouble. I mean, you can get in really big trouble for that. So he just wasn't sure if handing over the phone was the first thing he should do, or or maybe he should get some legal help first. Um, but it really didn't take him long to say, you know, he he started to feel comfortable about the, what the investigators were telling him, and so he decides, you know what, I don't want to hold this up by you having to get like some sort of search warrant for my phone. So I'm just going to go ahead and hand it over to you. So that's what he does. He hands the phone over. um, And they don't think he was involved in her death. They were very much in love and just had big plans for their future. Okay. So now two people are in custody. Brenda's name keeps coming up. So he decides to try and get these two people that they have been, that have been arrested to basically flip on Brenda. Um, And it wasn't, too hard to do. Christopher Love didn't give Brenda up at first, Chris, but he eventually tells investigators it was all her idea. Next, they talk to Crystal, and as soon as they tell her that Brenda is blaming the whole thing on her, she flips too, and boy, was there a story to be told. The detectives are ready to talk to Brenda again, but she is nowhere to be found. They immediately issue a search, um, excuse me, they Im- immediately issue a warrant for her arrest. Her father tells police, you know, her basically they her parent they contacted her parents and said, you know, where is she? And her dad tells the police that she got on a bus and fled to Mexico the day after being interviewed. Okay, so she has her family in Dallas, but she has extended family, a lot of extended family in different parts of Mexico. They do believe her family was wiring her money back and forth and that she had a whole lot of help in Mexico moving around from one place to another. The police were trying to get the family to cooperate and give her up, but this wasn't working. Um, They even went to the point, got to the point, Chris, where they started to do the paperwork to have family members arrested for for aiding and abetting mm-hmm. a, a fugitive, basically. 
So they decide to get the FBI involved since they're not getting anywhere with her family. And Brenda is only the ninth woman ever to be put on the FBI's most wanted fugitive list. And the reward for her capture, $100,000. It's a lot of dough. It's a lot of pesos. It's a lot of pesos. And would you know, the tips start flying in. They had a law firm here in Dallas that was working with Brenda's family. Um, basically, the lawyer was trying to get her family. They w- they were talking with the FBI. They wanted Brenda to cross the border. Um, they had this plan for her to just come across the border, give herself up. Um, but, you know, the investigators didn't think she would ever do it. And before that can even happen, the plan was foiled. Authorities receive a tip and Mexican police arrest her without incident. So as most of us know, Mexico will not extradite someone back to the States if the death penalty is on the table. So they decide to go ahead, take the death penalty off the table so they could get Brenda back here in Texas. Six months after being on the run after this murder, she is returned to Dallas and put in jail until her trial was set to begin. Okay, but first they've got to try Christopher and Crystal for their first degree, um, or excuse me, for their capital murder. Um, Chris, I think prosecutors were a little concerned about making sure that Brenda faced justice. Right now, it's all circumstantial. Mm-hmm. Nobody has, I mean, they just said that she was involved, but these are two liars. These people, I mean, Christopher and Crystal, they came up with all different kinds of stories. So will a court and a jury believe them? Um, if they were to get on the stand in Brenda's trial. So it was basically just her word against those two. They wanted to talk to Crystal about giving up the details um, in the plot to kill Kendra and to get Christopher, to basically to go after Christopher and Brenda. So they target talking to Crystal, but they felt the first time these prosecutors went in to speak to her, immediately she lies. So they're like, you know what? Fine, take the death penalty. We came here to help you. And if you don't want to help yourself, then there's just something we can do about that. So they send her back to jail. But she had a change of heart. One month before Christopher's trial, she decides to come clean um, about everything. And she has an unbelievable story to tell of murder for hire. So Crystal takes the stand in court at Christopher's trial. She tells the court that Brenda Delgado met Christopher Love at a friendly get-together with just with other mutual friends. She had never met him before and basically recruited him that night to kill Kendra. But Crystal has more to stay, say than just that. She tells the court Brenda claimed to be the leader of a drug cartel from Mexico. So remember, Crystal has only known this girl for a month. Okay, she doesn't Christopher Love. She's probably known him less than a month. And she's telling both of these people that she has access to drugs. She has access to important people, dangerous people. So I don't know if they felt that a little afraid of her. And that's why at first they didn't give her up. They didn't get a lot of money for this. And we'll, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, yeah, I would have said hire them to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't know I don't know the hesitancy of people just keeping quiet for people that mean absolutely nothing to them, especially when this girl is like, you know, was throwing was throwing crystal under the bus. But um, she claims to be just this big leader of a drug cartel. Uh, Christopher Love is promised a mix of drugs and money to kill Kendra Hatcher, and Brenda is promised five hundred dollars to drive Love to the parking garage. That's Five hundred dollars. Yeah, not very much money. No. 
On the stand, she says that she hears Kendra scream, help me, help me, and then hears the shot go off. His gun matched the murder. They did the ballistics, the gun, the magazine that was found, it all matched. But it was probably the recording from jail that um, that can probably doom his fate. They had a recording of Christopher Love speaking to his girlfriend from prison. And she says, you know, you should have like got rid of the gun. Why did you keep it? And he's like, you know what? I probably should have, but there's really nothing I can do about that now. And so the court, the, the prosecutors were hoping that's just a, a, a guilt. He's admitting to it. So that should be enough. And um, it was enough. So it only takes them just a couple of hours and they convict Christopher Love of capital murder and he is sentenced to death for the murder of Kendra Hatcher. Okay, so now it's Brenda's turn. So the two main players in her trial are going to be Crystal and Ricky and they both take the stand. So Ricky talks about their relationship, uh, the friend that he thought he had. Yes, their relationship was over, like I said, but she never showed any signs of distress about him moving on. So this is the key here for me. He never knew what she was really doing, which I'm about to talk about. But the truth was, she was completely obsessed with him. So obsessed that she had set up an actual spying operation between herself, Christopher Love, um, and what we'll come, what we'll find out are other people that were actually involved in this, which is so crazy. They 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 weren't directly involved, but um, I'll talk about that in a minute. She had all of his passwords, his iCloud passwords. She had the key to his apartment, which she did go there often. Um, because guess what? She also downloaded an app that allowed her to track the location of his phone. So she knew when he wasn't home. She knew where he was at every moment of every day since she since he broke up with her. That's why she was showing up while he was jogging, while he was at salsa class, while he was at all these other things that he will tell the court, I thought it was just a coincidence. He had no idea this woman was a complete stalker. He should have talked to Joe Kenda. <laughs> he would have told him there is no such things as coincidences, sir. Okay, so basically this is, but this is where it gets so creepy. So basically she could see all correspondence between Ricky and Kendra. Brenda took screenshots of Ricky's text messages with the new girlfriend. Now remember, this is all on her phone. They find all of this on her phone. Text messages with Kendra. She took a screenshot of the airline reservations he had made for them when um, they had gone to Denver for his birthday. But she was very careful. Like I said, she didn't say anything to Ricky that would have tipped him off about her, you know, spying on him digitally, right? Through the internet, through his passwords, through his text message. He, she had access to his phone. Nor did she ever say anything about being upset about he had a new girlfriend. I mean, she just completely played the cool card with all of this. Um, it, it, She never left Kendra any weird message. She never called the girlfriend, never showed up at her. Well, she did show up. Nobody just knew she was there. She would show up at, you know, it, it's just crazy. This woman knew where these people were every day, all day. And she poured herself into just stalking this couple for months and basically premeditated this murder. 
So it's possible that she kind of remained passive at first, I think, maybe because she thought, hey, maybe this guy really loves me. She didn't think this relationship, she had told someone when they first, when he first started dating Kendra that he did, she didn't think it was serious, that maybe they weren't going to be together. So I think she probably played it cool at first thinking, oh, he'll come back to me. We were together for a long time. He gives me a promise ring, blah, blah, blah. So just she just sort of, sort of bides her time. But then she receives... Um, that email from Ricky just two days before Kendra's murder. Now, this is when authorities do believe that this plan to kill Kendra that had been in the making for months. They do believe this was a months long plan to kill her. Um, Two days before she's murdered, she gets this email from Ricky. And what it says is, hey, I'm like really, really happy. I need you to get off my phone plan and I need the key back to my apartment, and I need you to get the rest of your stuff out. Well, she didn't like that. She decides that now I know he has a job in California. Now I know that she is going to be moving with him, and now I know she needs to be murdered. So she knew everything about Kendra. She knew where she worked. She knew her schedule. She read every single text message that this woman sent to Ricky, um, every email that was sent between the two. And again, they do believe it was that email that just sort of triggered things to go into motion. Um, And they think this is just where she snapped. She was in a corner and this was her only way to maybe get Ricky back. Okay, Chris, so let's get to the crazy characters in this trial. Four friends of Brenda's testified on the stand at her trial that she had asked them previously to help her kill Kendra and even Ricky at one point. They talked about heroin injections. She had asked a cousin to attack them with a baseball bat. They had talked about getting a gun. They all of them said no and just either laughed it off, but none of them called the police to put a stop to it. None of them. And that is just what is so mind-boggling to you for me is nobody did anything. Like, do they take her serious? Or, I mean, apparently not. No, I don't know. Do you just feel like, a, a you know, she's a woman, first of all. First of all, women stalkers, it's they're more rare than men stalkers. So that's the first thing. And Says who? <laughs> st- says statistically. <laughs> I don't take people's word for it. I just take, I'm more of a science stats girl. Um, But, but I mean, this is so crazy. So she's literally talking to, and they were saying like, this happened months ago. I mean, this was like, oh, at the beginning of the summer, we talked about this. Yeah. In the middle of the summer, I met with her and one was her old roommate. They had talked about injecting her with heroin, a sedative. I mean, just talking way too much about it not to do something about it so anyways nothing they none of them ever called the police okay so what okay so they're all on the stand they all take the stand and but here is the kicker here was what really got brenda um to where if i was a juror i don't think i would have you know this whole idea of like their word against hers She's re- she's driving, Chris. Get this. Brenda's driving the car. Crystal's in the passenger seat. You don't see Crystal. You see Brenda trying to take a video of a beautiful sunrise or sunset. Um, clouds. It's it's beautiful, but she's on video, right? And you hear someone in the car next to her asking for a silencer for a forty caliber Smith and Wesson. 
The exact gun that they used. The exact gun that they used. So they find this on her phone. They play it in the courtroom. Um, and she, it's just, it's just, this this case is just, ugh. So again, go watch that Dateline special if you haven't seen it. Um, and go read the Texas Monthly article. It really just dives in. We, we've been talking, we've already talked a lot already on this show today. But there really is just so much more to to the drama behind some of this. So anyways, go go check that out. Okay, so she tells the court, um, so Crystal tells the court that she and Love parked outside of Kendra's, Kendra's dental office. So they went to her work in Irving. They're waiting for her to get off work and they follow her home. So they get into the parking garage after her. So I believe she got in first. There was a car in between the both of them. They follow that car in and you see them park the Jeep Cherokee. You see Christopher get out. You hear, you don't hear the shot, but they know the shots take place. He kills Kendra and he takes her purse to make it look like a robbery. And then he jumps back into the car. Now I will tell you when they left there, they dropped that Jeep Cherokee back off to Luis. And in a video camera that is on the front of someone's house across the street from Luis's house, you see Brenda Delgado picking them up behind them. You see a car pull up. They get out of the car. They see the person, Christopher's hand. They get back into Brenda's car and then they leave the the Jeep Cherokee there. Okay. So after all of this, the jury only takes 19 minutes. This is the defense will say this is the fastest like jury decision ever that they've ever dealt with in the Dallas County courts. Well, it all seems pretty clear. I mean, it know. does. And they were, the prosecutors were really worried about this. And so were the, well, so was Kendra's family. They, I mean, having the shooter, Christopher crystal had to plead guilty to murder in order to get the death penalty off the table for her to testify in Christopher's case and in Brenda's case. So those two are pretty much done. They're kind of worried about Brenda. It was a circumstantial case. It was their word against hers. There was really no physical evidence attaching her to Kendra. Um, She never threatened Kendra. She never messaged her. Like we said, she never contacted the girlfriend directly. And also there was never, any correspondence between Brenda and Christopher Love on Brenda's phone. This was another thing the prosecution said, or the defense said, like, she has nothing to do with it. She never had any contact with Christopher Love. So there were a few things that the family was just a little concerned about that maybe she would be found not guilty. But guys, she is found guilty of capital murder. She is sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole just after 19 minutes of a discussion. Crystal gets 35 years for her cooperation, um, and she will be eligible for parole after serving half of her time. Well, Chris? Well-deserved. Well-deserved. All of them. Yeah, it's just so sad. It's so scary. I can't really believe that that, uh, one girl only got 35 years. Well, they didn't want Brenda getting off. They were very nervous about... I mean, when when they arrested Brenda, they had to have. I, I think they were a little the afraid. Get? Oh, he got the death penalty. He got death penalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the only reason Brenda d- didn't get the death penalty is because of Mexico's law, and they wouldn't send her back if the death penalty was on the table. Seems, they do that with everyone, though. That's just a like lot once you get them back over here, you're like, like, well, that's why they all go there. Even if you're an American, they want extradite back with with the death penalty on the table. Well, I mean, what are they going to do? 
if you just decide to put it back on? Well, there's something legal that they can't do. They don't do. They don't do that. They don't take back their word. I know they don't. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah. Well, what are they gonna do? They they got that all figured out. But I, but boy, did this woman deserve that if she could have got it? Because this was just what do you call it? A five? What do you call it? A five degree stalker? What do you call it? No. What? Uh. Oh, you know. Okay. That you have a saying. And you've, I've heard, okay, we've been together a long time and you've had some guys who've had girls coming out of their lives. And I swear you've said this to like a few of them and you would say, she's a, I can't, I can't think of the word, a five degree. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. Stage five clinger. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Stage five clinger. (laughs) This girl was a clinger. I, yeah, to say the least. I mean, I'm. It's just, I, you know, I don't think I've ever had anybody love me that much. <laughs> that's not Track love. Me. <laughs> that's not love. Let's just be clear, friends. Yeah. I mean, come on now. If someone, yeah, we're going to talk about um, stalking because the organization I chose um, has to do with stalking. But this is to me, this is just so sad because this was a woman who did such good for the world. Her family was so devastated. I mean, Ricky, can you imagine what kind of guilt he's got to live with knowing that like this woman who he loved and cared where's about he, at one where's point? Where's he at now? He, he's actually in California hmm. practicing dermatology. Yeah. Pimple popper. I think they do a little more than that. <laughs> Dr. Pimple popper. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, I can only imagine like how he feels and just, ugh. but to not, to be Kendra and to not even know like these people are, she was like hunting her. She's literally hunting her, hunting her down, watching her. She, it, it was even said um, in, in some research I was doing that Brenda had gone on a date with some guy, right? So they, I don't know how they find this guy, right? But after Brenda's convicted and stuff, he tells them that they were on a date and then he made, she made him drive her to Kendra's apartment. He didn't know why. And she just said that she sat there with like her hands you know, like this under her chin, staring out the window, almost look like she's waiting on someone. And he's like, are you here for somebody? She's like, no, no, no. I just, I love this apartment. And it was the Gable 17. Hmm. I mean, she was hunting her and it's just so unbelievably scary. All right, babe, that concludes season three, episode five. If you want to see pictures related to this case, you can find them on our Instagram, Facebook at Texas Wine and True Crime. All right. You ready to review the wine? Sure. All right, let's do it. Um, Again, your food was delicious. Thank you for always providing the pairings for us. You're welcome. Appreciate it. I enjoy cooking. I know you do. And if you enjoy cooking out there um, and you've got, you have now have an open invitation to ask Chris anything about what he prepares. So please don't hesitate. You can email us at team, T-E-A-M, at TexasWineAndTrueCrime.com. Okay, babe, you want to cork it today? Sure, I can cork it. I, I will give it three corks. It's not been my favorite wine we've drunk uh, or drank or drunk. Drank or, and drunk. Drank and drunk it. Um, <laughs> it is good. It has grown on me some. It's a little sweet. Or sweet for my taste, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly uh, worthy of the three corks. Uh, I would like to try some other varieties from Messina Hoff. Yes. Just kind of see what else they this have. This is our first one. Um, this is something that was readily available at the grocery store, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I scooped this up. Did have to get all Kroger. fancy and go take any special trips down south or anything like that for this one? <laughs> no, no. 
And we just snagged it. And we know, and, but I'll tell you, we are going to be um, doing a little shopping at Central Market since I got a little tip that there is some amazing Texas wine sitting at te- Central Market waiting for us to scoop it up. So um, I am excited. I know that Messina Hoff has so many wines on their website. They are a family owned business um, based on the three cornerstones of family, tradition, and romance. Uh, they dedicate to producing premium Texas wines that people love and enjoy. Their passion is to share these wines through experiences of exceptional hospitality, food, customer service, in order to bring people into their family and inspire them to share, um, you know, their wine. And just, you know, I love this. They're, they have three other different locations. They're right out of Bryan, Texas. I know that is like the original location. Mm-hmm. Uh, since 1977, they have been around and it's they've just been a pioneer in creating award-winning Texas wines and just taking care of wine lovers across Texas and the country. So if you want to learn more about Messina Hoff, uh, you can check out their website at MessinaHoff.com. I thought they were out of Grapevine. So, okay, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe their original location is Grapevine. Well, I know they're right. I know they're outside of Bryan, Texas. I do know mm-hmm. that. And I, you're right. There is a Grapevine location. And I think there's one more. Okay. Yeah. So I think they've, I don't know where the original one is though. I don't know if it's Bryan or Grapevine, but you're right. There is a Messina Hoff and Grapevine. Okay. Just yeah. making sure. I yep. thought I'd read that. Yeah. Um, all right. So each week we highlight an organization that just inspires us to be givers and better people in general. Uh, Chris, I thought it was only appropriate today that we do an organization about stalking in honor of Kendra. Uh, sadly, she just had no idea she was being watched and hunted. But um, there are steps that people can take when they think they are being stalked or someone they know and love is being stalked. So this organization is called Safe Horizon, and it offers 24-7 help if you or someone you know is dealing with a stalker. Um, I will put their link on our website, but there are a few things that they list on how to identify stalking. So, and I'll talk about this in a minute, but um, all right, let me, let me name these first. Okay. Does someone always seem to be just around the corner when you are going to work or out with friends or in your neighborhood? Okay, that's one sign, right? Something maybe Ricky just thought was a coincidence, but not so much a coincidence. Does someone keep making unwanted phone calls to your home or your work? Do you find signs that someone has been or around your home, your car, your workplace when you're not there? That sounds like a wife. (laughs) Hey, watch yourself. Or I'll watch you. Are you receiving repeated letters, gifts, cards, social media posts, and or emails, even though you told the sender to stop sending them? Has someone tried to get information about you from a third person, like a family member, friend, or coworker? Is someone posting information or spreading rumors about you on the internet in a public place or by word of mouth? So I think these things can happen to anyone, right? Some of these just happen right and then the person goes away um but i do i do want to say something about stalking because i've mentioned this before on a show stalking people i know feel like sometimes it's hard to prove it is so people don't go 
Some people don't go to the police, right? And then when you do go to the police, you say, you know, I know someone has been in my house or I know someone is watching me. Well, have they made any threats to you? Well, no, not directly to me, but, you know, I know they've showed up in my work a couple times and I've, I've asked them to leave me alone. Okay, well, do you have any, any, any phone calls, any text message, any emails, you know, that, well, no, they didn't really, I mean, they gave me an email, they sent me an email, but there wasn't like threatening. And so they just kind of, not that they ignore it, not that they ignore it, but they're, they have a lot of fish to fry there in the police, right? There's a lot of things they have. They get a lot of phone calls about a lot of things. But I want to encourage everyone out there, document everything. Go to the cops as many times as you need to if you feel like your life is being threatened. Ricky would say that he was so involved with Kendra that he didn't even recognize what was going on behind the behind his back with this whole thing. He thought this girl truly was his friend. But, but, you know, she told people, she, people knew her animosity towards this girl and the animosity that she had for him. Um, so, and if someone tells you that they, you know, they want you to be a part of a murder for hire, or you find out that someone, um, you know, has been asked and they tell you, call the police, do the right thing. Tell authorities. You guys might just save a life and you don't even know. I mean, imagine if one of them just would have made the phone call. We'd probably have Kendra here today. So, you know, always go with your gut and do the right thing. Um, you can donate to Safe Horizon. There are volunteer opportunities. There are survivor stories that they share on their website. And again, 24-7 hotline. Um, so they're there when you need them. All right, friends. Well, Definitely stay safe. Always have fun. And cheers to next time. Cheers. 